Howdy, Fat Guy Forum listeners. Before we get into this week's episode, just a reminder that there is a great way for you to support the podcast and keep it going, and that's by joining the Fat Guy Forum Patreon that you can find at patreon.com slash gourmetgoesketo. I use all the funds from the Patreon to go for the subscriptions and equipment that are used on the podcast, and if you join now, you will have the opportunity to be a part of helping decide the direction of the podcast as we dive into some new topics and try out a few new things. So I look forward to having you on board. Sign up today. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gourmet, and I'm excited to have you with us once again, as I always say. You know, I, I gotta get a little more creative with that, but I am excited to have you here as I bring you yet another awesome dude who's got a great story to tell. So I won't keep you from him. His name is Anthony. Anthony, how are you doing? Great, sir. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm glad we're talking. And let's Heck let's yeah. let's get right to it, man. Tell us, what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum? Um, all right. Well, I will uh, start off with, at my peak, I was 498 pounds and less than 30 years old. Um, and I didn't get there overnight. It took roughly about 10 plus years of binge eating, drinking, partying. Um, but at the same time, also building up my company and uh, getting into commercial fleet maintenance and building it to where it is. But with that, like I said, I got myself up to... Uh, so like I said, I got myself up to 498 pounds. Um, at the same time, grow my company to the leading commercial fleet maintenance and automotive. Um, but like I said, I was unhealthy drinking every night, partying every night, smoking roughly about two packs a day and went in for a routine doctor's appointment um, for my company for physicals. And doctor told me if I enjoyed living, I might as well do some changes because I had less than a year to live with the way I was living. So I, uh, started researching and found gastric sleeve. Now this was six years ago, no, five years ago. So it was still very shunned upon then. So it was not very mainstream at the time yet. Um, and I paid out of pocket, had surgery, and in less than 12 months lost over 320 pounds and got myself down to roughly about, at my very lowest, I was 158 pounds. Which which so. is wild, man. And I want to get into that part of your yeah. journey. But let's... So did you grow up big? Were you not heavy as a kid? Like, t- take us into, like, kind of how... Because getting to 498, you know, happens, obviously. Like, did it did it start somewhere? Or was it more you kind of hit a certain point in your life and, and other behaviors took over? So I... If I had to think about it... Um, so I had, let's say, a misspent youth. I grew up um, on the lower end of poverty. Uh, single mom busted her butt, took care of me the best she could. Uh, but I was on my own to raise myself a lot, So, which means I didn't make good choices and stuff like that. Um, I did wind up getting graduating high school when I was 15 uh, because I was just being kicked out of too many schools. So I took the exit exam and graduated. But that's when I started learning about fast food and not proper eating, not proper diet, nutrition, not knowing what a proper meal was. So my meal was Wendy's, Jack in the Box, and having a single mom that was in a waitress industry, I ate her restaurant food 
almost every night. So I'm eating greasy burgers, fatty stuff. And so by the time I was 17, I was pushing just short of about 300 pounds and um, decided to turn my life around that, uh, you know, I was done being crazy and hanging out. So I went to culinary school and attended the California Culinary Academy in San Francisco. And I ballooned up from three to about 400. And I ballooned up to just short of about 400 pounds. Um, so it was, I was already on the tipping scale. Uh, but as soon as I got out of culinary school, I decided to do nothing with my degree and go into the family business of automotive. And so from 18 to 28, I sat behind a desk building up my company, doing late nights, early morning, binge eating, not eating. Um, so that's where my weight really escalated. So up until about 18, I probably got up to about 350-ish, 375. Um, but then it just skyrocketed sitting behind a desk and it just really got worse. My sleep apnea kicked in and all started going downhill from there. Which I think is something people can relate to. You know, the idea that you know, whether they have, have a weight problem or to start with or not, you know, career path happens, you hit, you get a sedentary job and eating doesn't change, but absolutely. And also, I mean, you, 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 I'm sure you can attest to this, you know, it's like the folly of youth. Like there are, there's times that we're, we, we feel indestructible no matter what we're eating. And then eventually as you get older, it, it catches up to you. Oh, absolutely. And it's, I know I learned a lot now looking back, but I mean, and I'll touch on it later, but, uh, I've learned that I was enjoying being the token fat friend. So I think I really fed into eating more and getting larger because I was feeling comfortable knowing that in the role of friends, I was the token fat friend. So, and so I think I passively aggressive, like was sabotaging myself. And so what was your life like during that time? Like, what was it What was it like when you were getting that big and you were that big? See, I was partying a lot. Um, I was so, I would go to work at my company about 3.34 in the morning from 4 a.m. till roughly 5 to 6 p.m. at night. I was working at my shop and then I would go straight to the bar. I knew what bar to go to, what night of the week and what was going on. And then a lot of times I would shut the bars down and then just stumble basically right over to my work and sleep it off, shower, go right back down and start doing work again. So it was just a vicious, endless cycle. And I did that probably from, like I said, 18 up until 27-ish and so, 28. And was that when you hit the... No, hit the you, when you had the doctor yeah. when you had the doctor's appointment that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah. So it was just a regular every year we had to do, um, you know, physicals for work and everything. So I just went in for the normal one, and for some reason it must have been a new doctor who decided to try to light a fire up my backside. And I'm and I'm so thankful for him because he did. But he looked at me, and I at the time had didn't have high blood pressure, didn't have diabetes, um, none of the normal obese side effects except for um, sleep apnea. I was, on average, I when I took my test, sleeping two minutes for every hour of actual sleep. Yeah. Otherwise, I was gasping for air or, you know, doing the wake up. So, 
Um, and it was him that told me, you know, you have less than a year to live and you're less than 30 years old. You have a very successful company. You're doing fantastic. Why are you being an idiot? And I've tried every diet out there. It was it's not that I was a lazy, overweight person. I did. I've tried South Beach. I've tried Jenny Craig. I've tried Weight Watchers. I've tried the grapefruit juice diet. I've tried the fasting. I've tried keto. I've tried Atkins. I've done them all. Um, and they all work in their benefit, but it would always take a little bit off. And then I would put twice as much back on. So then he's the one that started suggesting weight loss surgery. Well, um, being from California, medical is outrageously expensive and <laughs> the medical you do have doesn't cover anything. So at the time, my surgery was still a exploratory uh, plastic surgery type of surgery, uh, elective. So I had to find uh, a surgeon out of, you know, that did out of pocket, found a company, got them done. Um, they told me all I had to do was go through the psych appointment and lose 40 pounds. Well, shoot. I knew if I just quit smoking cigarettes and quit drinking and stopping fast food for about three weeks, I could be down 30 pounds, you know? So it was really like, uh, I remember November 1st, I quit doing everything. Um, by the time I had my doctor's appointments and the psych about everything done, I was walking into surgery April 1st. Um, so just a couple months. And what was it like? Cause, cause that's a, that's a trifecta of issues to kind of address yes. at the same time, <laughs> you know, food, smoking, and alcohol all at the same time. You know, yeah. what was, what was that like? What was it like going through that? Like, was, were there, did they feed into each other? Like, what was that like? It was very rough. I'll put it this way. Um, I battled a lot of personal issues that I didn't even realize um, that I was going through. And I didn't even realize that food was my coping mechanism. Well, I go ahead and have gastric sleeve, remove my stomach. I no longer can put food in as my coping mechanism. So now I'm looking for other scenarios, other ways to try to cope with it. Um, so it, it was very rough and it was two years of battling myself, of not understanding really what's going on, not being comfortable with myself. And uh, it was my wife that helped me a lot um, because we actually met each other two months after I had surgery. So she's been with me through basically the whole transformation and through everything that was going on. Um, so on top of like newly surgery, so new weight loss transformation, not smoking, not drinking. Um, me and my wife have a very punch drug love relationship. Uh, I love it. We, in less than a year, we were already engaged and married and living together. So, and we've been, still in our honeymoon phase ever since. But so all of that plus expanding my company all in the first year. So I had a lot of mental breakdowns and issues that I didn't know how to cope with. And I didn't realize that it all led back to food and my weight loss. So what was it like figuring that out? And how did you actually, because obviously you went through it. Like you, there's no, there's no way to, there's no way to dance around those issues. There's no way to, if you avoid them, they, they slingshot back eventually. Like what was Absolutely. it, what was it like, like, how did you, how do you think you got yourself to the point that you were able to do that? Uh, well, honestly it was hitting rock bottom. So let's see within the first, like I said, we're first two years of surgery. Um, 
well, okay, let's take it back a little bit. Sorry. Within the first 12 months, I had lost already all of my weight and I was in maintenance phase. So I was already down to where I needed to be. Um, and trying to figure stuff out, didn't know really what I wanted to. My body was not where I wanted it. Um, I couldn't actually eat food because every time I would eat, I was getting sick and not understanding why. And then come to find out that I actually had gallbladder issues and had over 17 gallstones stuck inside me that I was actually living with for about three months. So it was about a week in the hospital that just hitting rock bottom and realizing that I had all these pressures, all these issues, and it wasn't worth it. What was the one thing that I wanted to stay true was uh, my health and my family. And, and I wasn't doing that. So I decided to do something very crazy. Uh, found a way to passive income my company, basically AKA retire. We sold our house, sold our cars, sold everything. And we hit the road. We uh, bought a 45 foot fifth wheel and truck and hit the road. And as soon as I got away from those pressures and I was able to clear my mind and start thinking, I realized that it was food that was my addiction to everything. And it was, if I look back in my past, when I was with my friends and everything like that, I was the fat guy that was eating the three pound burger because my buddies were trying to tell me to challenge to eat it. Like, um, and I mean, I have no shame that girls were saying they were just sleeping with me because, you know, I was, they felt bad for me because I was the fat kid, you know, or, you know, they were only with me because I was so large because I had money, you know? So I realized all of it stems back to my food addiction and my issues with eating and the fact that I wasn't able to actually eat no more. So I, it took me a really long time to be able to, to understand that. And I had to find a, a new outlook and a new, um, what's the word out some way to release the, tension and stuff like that. And that's when I started finding bodybuilding about a year and a half ago. Uh, I started really refine my passion for bodybuilding and started focusing very heavily on that and have pretty much stuck to that lifestyle for about a year and a half now. And then been traveling the country, exploring, seeing all the national parks, but at the same time, stopping off at all the amazing gyms and working out of all these amazing, cool places. Which sounds awesome. And I, I think you hit on something important there. And that's that that realization that what you were using food for and having to find a new outlet, you know, finding a new place to direct that energy, those issues, those emotions, because whether you were not dealing with them with to the use of like using food as an avoidance mechanism, they're, they're, not, they're not going away. You know, losing weight doesn't change any of that. You know, it doesn't you know, it might affect some of our outlook issues, but it doesn't change at the core what's going on. So finding a new direction for your energy, you know, obviously sounds like it was essential. I'm curious. It's funny because I, I talked to another Anthony a few weeks ago, uh, Anthony Lolly, who was, again, an, another guy who was very, very successful in every era of his life except his weight. And talked to him about, like, what he thought was preventing him from that success there. Like, what do you... When you look at it now, you know, with the perspective that you have, what do you think it was that allowed you to have so much success in other areas, but not in the area of when it came to food? Because I didn't respect the man in the mirror. 
Um, I didn't care that I was getting large. I didn't care anything about my health or anything like that as long as I was successful and everybody around me was successful. I didn't actually care about like my health or my, any of my issues. I was still young. I thought I was indestructible. Like to be completely honest, I thought that I'm not going to die of a heart attack. I'm not going to have those issues, you know? So I think it is, uh, I got focused on the drive and unfortunately chasing the almighty dollar. And that's, and that's what I've come to learn that that's the least important thing to chase out of everything in life. We should never be chasing that. I, yes, we do need money to survive and live, but if we follow that, it's like fool's gold. We're going to chase it into our, into our grave. I think that's a great, that's a great perspective to take on it. And you literally had to shift, like literally change your perspective physically to be able to make that perspective shift, you know, that adventure that you guys decided to go on that, you know, still has become your life. Like it's, it's, it's pretty amazing to think that you were able to do that. I mean, and it was scary. Like we, like, don't get me wrong. We walked away. Like I walked away from my company and we sold everything and said, you know what? We don't want a parachute. We don't want a um, blanket. We want to go for it and lay our head where the sun goes. And it's, it's cool. Whatever happens, happens. And we've, like I said, we've been almost two years now, just short of 60,000 miles. We've been all the way to mile marker zero and the keys all the way through Niagara Falls. Um, made an accidental trip across the border during COVID. That was, that was interesting. Um, I've been as far as Minnesota's and, you know, all the way through Texas, up back and around. So, I mean, we've done some miles and we're excited to get back on the road here soon too. So what, where on that journey did bodybuilding come into it? Cause I know that's a big part of your life and, and something that's central to, to your, you know, as an outlet right now, like how did that develop? Where did that come from? So I've, as a kid, I've always been fascinated with, you know, the old school Jay Cutler's and, um, Flex Lewis and all Dorian Yates. And I loved watching them on TV, but growing up as the morbidly obese kid, always, it was just a passion to watch them. I never thought I could ever do that or ever be like them. You know, that was just out of my realm. And, uh, when I dropped on my weight and I was basically looking very skinny and like very malnourished, I started uh, researching really like what type of workout to do, what kind of strength training and bodybuilding popped back up. And um, I started checking out some of the workouts and some of the trainers and stuff like that. And I realized, you know what, this is something I really loved this before. Let's give this a go. And then I wind up hooking up with a couple really impressive trainers and they ignited my passion a little bit farther. And like I said, now it's brought me all the way to Florida. So it's, uh, it's driving me every more, more and more to the point of our RV. We have a toy hauler fifth wheel. So it has a 13 and a half foot garage in the back. So we can basically convert it to whatever we need to at sometimes, sometimes it's an office. Sometimes it's our kids playroom. Um, but when we're traveling long distance, I converted it to my workout room and I have over 500 pounds of bumper plates, a squat rack, a full bench, dumbbells, everything in there so that no matter where we're at, I'm not going to miss a workout. Because the other thing I have learned 
that that is a huge part of my mental happiness is daily workouts, getting that euphoric rush of daily um, exercise. Well, it's, it's endorphins. Like it's, it's not, you know, some people are like, Oh yeah, you know, it's an emotional thing, you know, working. It's like, no, like there is a, it's, we live under these, we live under this illusion that our, our minds and our bodies are separate. And it's realizing that there's, there's an, an intimate connection. You know, obviously every thought we have is a chemical reaction. And so influencing that and influencing, you know, how you move your body, getting that, getting like, for lack of a better term, that pump going, you know, has, can have a great impact. Absolutely. And, uh, and that's why I just fell in love with it. And that's the first time I had like that first really good pump and drive. I was like, yep, this is it for me. And then, um, so when we first went on the road, so this will take us back, you know, so a couple years ago, we were uh, plant-based. We were 100% vegan. So uh, when, when we were living in California, it was very easy to be plant-based and get plenty of fresh vegetables, you know. But I was, I'll admit it, I was the lazy vegan. I was the box and everything store-bought, nothing really fresh made. You know, I was going to Mod Pizza, Oreos, um, the frozen food meals that were all vegan kind of type of thing. And, but through that, I had to try to find supplements because with, you know, our gastric sleeve, not being able to get all the nutrients that I needed to find some starting off bodybuilding. And that I ran across, uh, that's when I ran across Redcon, uh, and their vegan line of Green Beret. And so that actually like started my love for bodybuilding even more is following that company and specifically um, Alex Boro, who's another transformation guy that you've had on here a couple of times, uh, his story and following him, I was like really cool watching that we were so close in weight, I think only off by like 10 pounds and we're both, you know, doing the bodybuilding thing kind of scenario. So that's kind of was helping driving me and keeping me going through the bodybuilding. I was like, you know what, if that dude can do it, I'm like, shoot. That gives hopes for any of us fat guys. Come on, we can do it. So that helped me drive me a little bit more too, kind of scenario. And we're going to talk about him. In, I, I want to get to that because you guys oh, have yeah. some exciting stuff going on. We're going to get to that. Oh, I, yeah. do, I do first want to kind of get into like now with this, this journey you've been on and being able to identify that food was a significant issue. And obviously the sleeve imparted some physical restrictions, you know, at first on food for you, like... What is your relationship with food like now? Um, it is strictly fuel for me. Um, I will daily, uh, to go through an easy day, I wake up at three in the morning and within 15 minutes, I'm consuming my first pre-workout meal. Um, and by 10 p.m., I'm consuming my very last meal. So for me now, it's nothing but fuel. And then I look forward to right now, because I'm in prep, I'm only down to one free meal, but I'm look, I look forward to that one. But really, it's just fuel to me. I don't even really care what's in front of me. I look at the carbs, the protein, the fat ratio. As, as sad as it sounds, it's not even really a food to me anymore. So do you think that th- this has been a, an actual shift in terms of how you view and use food? 
Oh, absolutely. I see uh, food completely differently now. Um, I look for the healthy nutrient stuff because I know that's what fuels my body. Um, I know the proper stuff to put into my body. And I love the fact that my son is growing up watching this and seeing this uh, proper way of eating because honestly, this isn't genetics. It's, I, I truly don't believe it's genetics that we're obese. We're a figment of our environment. So I was raised up in a fast food type of industry. And unfortunately, a lot of other people that are, they go down the same route too of obesity. It's just proven statistics. And if we can change it by doing or showing better then I'm going to. Hmm. Which is powerful, you know, cause I, I think there's on, on some level there's, there's, we have genetic propensities for many things, but that expression is, comes back to behavior and to habits and what we do and what we put into our bodies and what we, you know, how we learn to use food and, you know, and like a lot of people, you know, food as a coping mechanism is, is something I think a lot of people listening can probably relate to, you know, and they also were probably like, how do I even find something else? Like, how do I, how do I try to even shift that perspective? Like what to someone out there listening who is in that place of, of using food, you know, what, what would you say to them? Like in terms of, you know, giving them a place to start working on that? Uh, you know, you find something else and be open-minded it could be the most random thing that's going to take the place of that food. Um, but we got to realize that we can't always run back to the food, find anything that's get up for go for. If it is in the exit realm, get up and go for a walk. Um, go take up a hobby of drawing pictures, do something productive to get the mind. You just got to change the mind because half the time it's that we're bored and our minds are just, trying to think of something to do so we automatically go to eating we go towards food so it's like the old saying uh idle hands uh, let's not keep out of hands so it's just be, be open-minded to try different things i mean i didn't like i said i didn't find bodybuilding right away i did running um i thought i wanted to be a marathon runner i i even flew out here to florida and did the disney marathon run one year and uh it was a lot of fun, and I mean, it was a great endorphin run, but I couldn't keep enough food in me to actually keep the weight on kind of scenario. So it, uh, I tried around with a lot of different CrossFit. I did CrossFit for a while. Um, in my first beginning of weight loss, I did CrossFit into like regular gym workouts kind of scenario. So there's all different kinds of things that we can uh, think of. It's just, like I said, be open-minded about it. No, I think that that's excellent advice and the idea that it can take time. Like it's, it's not the first thing you try. It's not the first, you know, I talk to people all the time who are like, you know, I've been trying for five days and I still haven't figured this out. And it's like, well, you've only been trying for five days. Like give, give your, give yourself a break and give it time. Yeah. And uh, I, I kind of take it back to way back in the day I heard, uh, I was reading a story and Danny DeVito, the actor, um, he went on over 150 auditions before he landed his very first role. So it's things take time. It's like we didn't gain weight overnight. So we're not going to magically be able to, once we get it off, be able to fix it overnight. It's going to take time. 100% man. And something I'd like to talk about because you, you shared this, you know, before I have guests come on the show, I asked them to kind of tell me their story and their words and, and, 
one of the things I think is interesting, especially people who are looking at surgery as an option and, and, you know, all the different, you know, there's so many different options and different tools people could use. But you, you mentioned in, in that, you know, kind of talking about your history was not just that, you know, food it went from being something that was a coping mechanism and an obsession to you had a point where, you know, getting food in became a challenge, like remembering to eat, like hunger oh, and oh, yeah. those issues. Like, I'm Absolutely. just really curious to hear a little bit about that. Yeah. So one of the biggest things I didn't actually realize that when with the gastric sleeve, um, when you remove your stomach, they also remove the memory gland on top of your brain or on top of your stomach that sends a, a energy receptors to your brain that says, hey, I'm full or hey, I'm hungry. So in the beginning, I could go up to about three days without eating. And like, I remember a couple of nights I'd be like, go to lay in the bed. And my wife would look at me and be like, did you eat today? And I'm like, oh, crud, I knew I forgot something. Because it's like, it was a very fickle line. I had also think about, do I want to eat or do I want to get water in and stay hydrated? Because when I first initially, before I started like not really stretching, but allowing myself to take in more food, I was really down to a shot glass worth of food or liquid at a time. Um, so I had to literally set alarms on my phone to tell me to eat because I would forget completely. I could spend all day behind the computer and just be like, oh, oh yeah, time to go home, forgot to eat again, kind of scenario. And what was it like realizing that that was happening? Like having that realization that you used to be this kind of like eating machine on some levels, you know, doing those burger, you know, doing a burger challenge in front of your friends to having to set an alarm on your phone. It was really weird. I actually started looking into other things and what to do. And that's honestly how I found, how I went back to smoking uh, cannabis and medical marijuana because uh, it was the only thing that actually gave me the munchies, gave me the hunger to eat. It was, and actually once I started to, I was back to able to get into like three meals a day and start building up a natural like hunger again to where my, my natural internal clock was like, okay, it's noon. You're, you're starting to get a little hungry. Let's start eating food. But even still to this day, um, when we're on some of our travel days, so we can go 12 hour long stretches. If I forget to set alarm on my phone sometimes too, if I'm just driving, I'll go six hours and completely forget to eat. And then I've thrown off three meals, you know, that I should have got in kind of scenario. So I still to a little bit fall slip, um, but I have to, yeah still sometimes set alarms, but yeah, it was a uh, medical marijuana that helped me relearn again how to eat. Yeah. And I was going to say like, cause I think that's, there's probably some people listening who just associate marijuana with the munchies and the negative connotation, but that's a, a big reason that medical marijuana is prescribed to people at times, like because of appetite stimulation. Yeah. It's, um, and that was what drove me down to falling in love with honestly, cannabis and all the medical properties. Uh, with also, before we hit the road, I had a little accident on our home back home and I went up crushing my hand and doctors told me I would never move it again. I wound up getting four plates, 12 screws inside of it. And I kind of gave them a middle finger and started finding uh, THC and different kind of uh, homeopathic remedies to actually start working on it and the nerve feeling started coming back and I have movement back into it. I'm not saying, you know, I completely cured it, but yeah, you know, there's always different things to find. And that's really what drove me to start figuring stuff out. And I was like, you know what, 
there's a lot to this and I'm, I'm very, very proud that um, I can be a successful entrepreneur and still say that, yeah, I smoke weed because I have to. And it, it kind of goes back to that, that nature of how your mind works, like your willingness to explore, your willingness to try things, your willingness to kind of, to take on new adventures in a lot of ways. Absolutely. And I think that's the, uh, kind of the definition of an entrepreneur. We're willing to just basically just, if you need a yes man, yeah, we're willing to do it. Yeah. We're willing to try it. You know, if we uh, hear of a good tip somewhere, we're going to go out on a limb and go try it. No, for sure. And you threw a word out earlier that relates to a, a current challenge that you're in. And you said prep. Now you're actually prepping for a show right now. Yes. So, um, I got, finally got talked into it about two months ago. Um, decided to sign up for summer shredding in Texas, um, October 30th. So we're in the home stretch of very first prep and, uh, I'm excited. I'm having an absolute blast with it. Uh, it's one of the main reasons why I moved to South Florida to the Redcon one gym was to basically take my training up a notch and to start training with, uh, Poro. And so it's been a dream come true. Uh, I love prep life. Let's just say that. <laughs> oh, for sure. So what, what is this you're doing? It, it's the summer shredding show, correct? So the, yeah, so it's a summer shredding in Texas. It's a transformation division. It's, uh, you basically, they judge from your last, you send in a photo from the last two years of your, uh, weight loss, but then they judge your overall transformation and all that good stuff. So, um, there is a handful of, uh, guys and then there's a separate girls transformation division and yeah, it's going to be, I don't know too much more. Like I said, it's my very first show. I just know that I get to get tanned up all pretty and I get to wear short shorts on stage. That's, that's all I know. I'm going to be glistening like a, uh, very bronzed, uh, chubby God. Yeah. So I'm excited. Well, I, I think chubby is a strong word for you, man. Like, well, you, you know, you know, you know what I mean? You know, it's, I call it my, my chub is my, uh, flabbiness. I love my, I love my fat pockets. They're my, uh, I call them my, my calling cards. They're my business cards of why I think I'm able to talk about being a transformation mm -hmm. specialist. Oh, 100% man. And so you talked about Poro and obviously connected with him in the gym, but I, I feel like there's something else going on that we should talk about. Yeah, you know what? You know what? Yeah, which, so, which is weird I, that we're going to talk about this on this show. But. Yes, I know. I feel I feel bad, but you know what? Um, I finally decided to rekindle up my culinary arts degree. Like I said, I touched on that a little bit. Um, and when I was going to culinary school, I had a specific passion for baking and pastry. Well, what else wouldn't you want to trust two former almost five hundred pound guys than to make you some of the most craziest concoction cookies you can think of? So, uh, between me and Poro and my wife, the baker, we come up with some of the most con crazy concoction cookies, uh, roughly about six ounce cookies that you can think of. Uh, right now we have just launched our full fluffy line, which is our full fat, full carb, um, full gooiness. And then we, you have had the luxury of trying one of them. Uh, we have a keto and protein ones that are coming out at the end of this month. Which I think is unique because wild cookies are a part of the bodybuilding scene. 
Like, Absolutely. You know, those the the crazy company. We could probably name a dozen companies that are just focused on creating those absolutely insane cookies, and they set, no no pun intended. They sell like hotcakes. Like you know, people wait for drops and things along those lines. Like so to take oh and to to approach that industry, but not just go okay. Every cookie is going to have a peanut butter Oreo in the center, um, but be like, okay, let's let's try to let's try to create something that also is is a t- is usable by people on different journeys. I think is is an awesome exactly. perspective. And, and that's that's what I wanted to do is because there's every type of full flavor, full fat cookie out there, but yeah, there's none really giving to the other platforms that are on different weight loss journeys that still want to have that delicious treat and still want to do that. So mixing with my culinary background. So I'll take one of our, so we have a pumpkin pie cheesecake that uh, we actually home make the cheesecake cream inside and actually stuff that in the middle of the cookie. So, and all of that is all handmade by scratch inside of our kitchen. So that's like, we kind of want to do upscale real world kind of concoctions kind of scenario. So it just won't, it won't be every cookie has chopped up candy bars shoved into it until they're falling out. No, some of them have are going to have like caramel on the inside of them. Some of them are going to have a fudge. Some will have cookies. Some are going to have uh, just an OG like fluff in the center. So, and there's some that have so many conco- like mix-ins that they don't even have a center in them. So uh, there's a little bit of everything going on. And I, I and I don't want us to talk too much about no sugar. Because yes. I'm sure there's people listening right now who are like, oh, we sh- there should have been a warning on this section. You know, we should have. So I apologize to anyone who missed the warning that we were going to we were going to talk cookies for a little bit. But I I, I but I, th- I think it's I think a question that's in people's minds out there is someone who knows they used to use food as a coping mechanism is now selling cookies. Like, so what is your what is your perspective on that? It's because I still have a passion for food, even though I use it for fuel myself. And I'm going to be completely honest. I love living vicariously through watching and listening to people eat my food, you know, and eat my type of cuisine. I, mm-hmm. I enjoy it. So why not mix my love of sweets and give people what they want? And that's mm-hmm. cookies. And of course, also, I think there's, there's also this underlying current of, Buy the cookies if, if you can if if cookies are something that you can handle, like it, absolutely. And and I'll be completely honest, I've I've shut down people's orders because I know that they're on a journey, and it's like no, I appreciate you know trying to support, but that's not what this is for. So that is and it's not for everybody, and that's why I want to create every platform of cookie out there that way, everybody that does want to enjoy it that they can. And not have to feel that, oh man, I can't have a good cookie because it's it's low carb or it's low fat or it's, I need something that's high in protein because I need it after my workouts, but these are only just full of sugar, mm-hmm. you know? So, and it really is fun to create the different kind of treats for every different type of eating lifestyle out there. For sure. And, I, and I've said a million times on this show, like, We've created a culture where treats are an everyday thing. I think one of the things people need to look at with your cookies or with any of these things is it's not something where you're buying enough so you can have a cookie every day. Like it's not about 
And and that's the hard line because there are going to be some people who are like, well, I need to abstain 100 percent. Well, do do what you need to do, you know, do what you need to do to take care of yourself. But understand there are people that are going to that are in a different place or working through different issues and have different challenges that couldn't handle something else. Like there's a place, I think, for everyone in the in the not only in the marketplace, but in this this food world, you know, to find their way through and realize at the end of the day, it's all about you as an individual you know, it's not about a cookie company telling you to buy their cookie and you have to eat it. Like, it's about realizing, you know, it's a choice that you can make and, and, and an option that you can explore. Oh, yeah. And and for, and like I said, for me, I get to live vicariously through everybody and create some really crazy concoctions. Right. Which is the the wild side of it, you know, because, you know, I know Alex is a good friend. I know that he could sit down and try eight different kinds of cookies, you know, if need be. If you were to sit down and try to eat eight, eight of the different cookies you're making, that would physically not go well for you. Yeah, no. So that's the downside is, um, I'll be completely honest, we've been up and running for about a month and a half now, and I've literally eaten five cookies. Like, because I can't actually get that much in. So it's literally, I've eaten the equivalent of about five cookies. So I will say something you've done with the cookies that I'm more jealous of than actually eating them is... You've taken the cookies with you into Disney World. Yes, yes, I did. I uh, smuggled. I always, between prep life and being Disney freaks, uh, I have to make sure that I bring my food and my treats with me. So, yes, cookies come with me for a, a photo op every time. Yeah, I will. I mean, you offering a cookie to Chippendale was probably one of my favorite things on the internet the past couple of weeks. Yes, yes, thank you. That was that was a good one. I saw them there. They looked like it. They were like, "Hey, you know," and I'm like, "Here you go. I got you guys." I got you. And sadly, we're 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 recording this during what we'll call the the great Facebook Instagram outage of 2021. So people can't immediately if they're if they were listening to this right now, they couldn't jump on. Hopefully, by the time this episode airs, people will be able to go back and see the adventures of your cookies and your own adventures as well. Um, but there's there's some good stuff there for people to go to check out. Uh, one thing you haven't mentioned yet, I do want to give you the opportunity to say, is the name of your cookie company. Yes. All right. Uh, Cream Cookie Co. Um, cookies rule everything around me. Mm -hmm. So Cream Cookie Co. Uh, go ahead and go on Instagram and uh, check out everything. We have our signature menu and then we have a seasonal one. Basically, I do single run batches that when we run out of it, it's gone for good. Mm -hmm. It goes away. And I'm just excited. You know, hopefully, knock on wood, we'll all be up and running by the time people are hearing this. So they can go check you out. And, you know, be able to at least see and they and live, you know, live vicariously through their Instagram account. If you're not going to exactly. buy the cookies yourself, you know, exactly. Check out some of the pictures and uh, do it that way. Cause that's about as far as I can go right mm. now. So you, you've had quite the adventure, you know, man, losing almost three, you know, losing over 300 pounds at one point. Like you've been on this kind of like wild ride these past few years and, I I love using I love using all these puns and metaphors because it's not just been like a a metaphysical wild ride for you like in a lot of ways it's been a literal wild ride you you've currently landed in you've currently landed in Florida but knowing you and knowing this adventure you've been on that's not your final destination what what what's coming next for you you know you've got the show coming up but what's coming what's up next for you guys in terms of like where your your adventure is going to take you See, that's the best thing about being in this blessed life. I don't really have too much idea. Like I said, we got the show here. We're for sure staying through 
January, but I feel like Utah, Vegas area kind of calling my name for a while. Um, I might go play back out West for a minute and go check out there. And uh, I don't know. We have to make our way back to Texas because so during COVID, um, during that whole lockdown, we spent about eight months in Texas. And I, I, as a side venture, decided to become an instructor at a national RV training academy and actually train people on how to work on RVs uh, because of my automotive background. But with being there for so long, we actually brought our horse out there. So we actually have, you know, connection back to Texas. So we go back there quite a bit. Um, so I know for sure we'll be back there for a while, hang out in there. And uh, yeah, who knows? Honestly, I, if the borders are open, I want to get into Canada and go play in Canada for a while. Well, here's, here's hoping, you know, that some of that will come back in the end. Yeah, absolutely. That's about all I can offer. Other than that, there is no plan. I, uh, I spent way too long being super regimented and having to basically I built myself anxiety if I woke up after three ten in the morning. So now it's, I live day by day and I know we're reserved here till January. And then we're, we either hang out here longer or we're going to start making our way West further. Nice. Yeah. Well, I think that's the exciting thing that you don't, cause I'm sure there's some people that that would create anxiety for, but I think it's interesting. You know, it's fascinating to hear someone that thrives on not having that answer. I think that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's literally, we have a, we have the United States map, you know, that we have all of our stickers on and stuff like that. And with all the national parks and everything like that. So we literally just, we look at what season of the month is. We see where the weather is going to be what, and we chase whatever degree temperature we want. Um, so like Christmas, we wanted the token, uh, winter wonderland scenario. So I found a beautiful town of Durango, Colorado, and the basically right off the million dollar highway. And we spent all of December in Colorado in the snow, just playing in the beautiful, it looked like a Whoville from the Grinch who stole Christmas kind of scenario. So yeah, we're just going to chase the sun and uh, see where we wind up, end up at. But that's, that's what we love about it. Um, I do know that we will have to be coming back to Disney a lot because yeah, it's, it's an obsession. Half, you know, I, I have to, the reason I'm glad that my son's finally 44 inches now, because now I got somebody to ride rides with. I mean, that's like a dad win for me right there. Oh yeah. Well, when you, if you guys make it back, you make it back West and, and head to Disneyland, I'll have to meet up with you. Absolutely. You definitely will because uh, actually one of our favorite uh, RV resorts is right there in Anaheim, right outside um, Disneyland. And we actually still have our Disneyland passes, so we'll definitely be going. There you go, man. There you go. So, Anthony, if people are, are listening to your story today and want to keep up with your adventures, where do they find you? So you can uh, find me at uh, Sleeve Gypsy Bodybuilder on Instagram or my um instagram rv travel page which is rv four and then the uh spelt out three awesome so well, either I will, one of those definitely and i'll make sure to put the the links there in the show notes today so people can track you down awesome thank you sir for sure and i end every episode with the same five questions called the fat guy five are you ready for your run through them 
I am ready for him. Okay, here we go, man. Question number one. Tell us, Anthony, living or dead, who is your favorite fat guy? Uh, Chris Farley. There we go. Plain and simple. I feel like eventually I'm going to have to adapt this question and remove Chris Farley and John Candy from the answers. I know, but like it's like... He, retire them in the fat guy. I'm have to, I'll have to do a fat guy Hall of Fame episode Yes, and okay, retire so the you, answers. Uh, what was it? The man show at the end when they would retire somebody and they put them in the Hall of Fame. You need to do that with the Hall of Beers, like kind of like the same scenario. Definitely, definitely. I'm going to have to All do right. that. Question yep. number two, man. What is one lesson that being a fat guy has taught you? Uh, live every day to the fullest and don't take the little things for granted. I like it. Question number three. Anthony, what is something that someone who wants to get their journey started today can do? Like one action they can take. Just do it. Stop making excuses. Um, all it takes is changing one little thing. There we go. Question number four, man. What is something about yourself that you love? Um, I loved that I'm so open now. Um, and basically being willing to tell my story and this kind of stuff, I was very closed off and very guarded and my, cause of my anxiety and everything like that. And part of growing of that is being out and being outspoken. So, um, I'm, I'm happy that I'm very loud and, ex and very willing to talk. Awesome. And Anthony, one more question for you today. What is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related? Not health, fitness, or weight loss uh, related. All right. Um, shoot, that is a good one. But I'm going to say probably to see um, Glacier National Park in Montana. Nice. Yes, that is huge bucket list for me. I want to go just see those crystal clear blue waters. There you go, man. And from listening to you talk today, I, I have no doubts that that's something that you'll you'll see happen during the next year, if not you know if not sooner. So that'll be an exciting thing for everyone to follow along with. Like I said, your contact information will be in the show notes. Anthony, let me just say a big thank you for your willingness to come on the show today and share oh, your story. Yeah. Thank you so much, and uh, yeah, I would love to come back on another time, and uh, you know, maybe we'll check up and do an update and see where in the country I am. Definitely. I think that, sound, that sounds like an awesome plan, man. So everyone else out there, you can connect with Anthony. You can also connect with me on Facebook. Well, not Facebook. On Instagram at GourmetGoesKeto. Facebook's down. But Instagram, you can connect with me on Instagram at GourmetGoesKeto. You can also find me on Twitter, which, which is up and running and making gains today themselves, at GourmetGoesKeto. You can email the show at thefatguyforum at gmail.com. And you can also check out everything else that I'm doing at theketoroad.com. So everybody, take some inspiration from today's story. Go out there. Do something today to amaze yourself because you are the most amazing people I know. Then come on back and catch us here on the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum. Mm -hmm.